uh, got started a couple weeks ago. Last week, we took a little time out for a uh, special time with our mothers and, and had some great testimonies. Tonight, we're going to get back to our series, The Right Standing with God, studying through the book of Romans, and I'm looking forward to this series. And, uh, you know, how many of you remember getting letters, right? None of you? Anybody remember getting letters? And nowadays, it's, it's all email type stuff, right? But, but the truth is, is that everybody likes to see uh, something like this come in the mail. And uh, this letter that I have in my hand, I, I received it, well, not this letter, but the letter we're going to look at tonight, I received this letter from God. You did too. And it's the book of Romans. And so as we study tonight, we're going to open this letter. And uh, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times when I would open letters... I couldn't wait to see what was in it, especially when I saw on the outside who it was from. I used to have this beautiful blonde young girl that used to write me letters, and she would put perfume on the, on the, on the letter, you know, and you'd take it out, and you'd, yep, that's her, you know, and, uh, and I couldn't wait. I'd read it, and I'd reread it, and then I'd set it down, I'd come back to it later. You know that's how we ought to be to the Bible, is we ought to read it and reread it. You know why? Because it's from the greatest person of all, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. God gave, me, gave us this particular book and all the books in our Bible. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to open this letter known as the book of Romans. And so as you, as you have your notes there tonight, as Paul starts into this book, and I gave you an introduction uh, two weeks ago, but Paul is laying the groundwork here in the beginning of the book of Romans, and he's speaking here of his love for this church, those that are believers in Rome. And the amazing thing is that Paul had not, never really been to this church, and yet he's writing to this church how much he loves them. Now, back in the days of Rome, in the days of Paul, it was kind of interesting because when we wrote letters, oftentimes the letters that we wrote we would write at the beginning of it, and, and I'll use his name, even though I used it this morning, we would write something like this, Dear John. Now, you don't want to get a Dear John letter, right? <clears throat> but Brother Honeycutt, that's all he got when people wrote him, was Dear John. But here's what we would do is we would write the letter, the contents. At the end of it, we would do something like this. I love you with all my heart, Carol, you know? And we would sign off on it. But see, back in the days of Rome, in Paul's day, it was customary. As a matter of fact, it was the way things were done back then that the writer would put his name and his personal greeting at the beginning of the letter instead of at the end of the letter. And we'll see that tonight as we get into this. But notice, first of all, tonight, as we start the book of Romans, Paul presents his credentials. <coughs> he presents his credentials. Now, when you think of credentials, Paul is basically sharing where his authority is coming from. He's talking about his qualifications to be writing what he's going to write to the believers that are in Rome. Now listen, again, as we're reading, oftentimes God allows us to see the purpose behind every one of the books that we see in the, in the Word of God. Tonight we're looking at Romans and we're beginning in chapter 1. Let's read beginning in verse number one tonight, where the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, 
which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you talk about a pack full of an introduction to a letter, that's it right there. We're going to look at that tonight, we're going to break that down verse by verse, because as we see this, the first thing I notice is Paul is writing his introduction. I notice his attitude in verse number one, where he mentions that he is a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, I used to like to have a little fun. I believe that Christians ought to have some fun. Folks, listen, the Christian life is a wonderful life, and you all might as well enjoy it now. If you don't enjoy it now, you're not going to enjoy heaven someday. And sometimes I get around people, and they're just way too serious. I mean, they're serious. And so I used to teach the biblical languages in the college I was at, and, and, and I would at the beginning of the semester, I always would go through the same routine I had to teach them because it was a total foreign language, and, and I had the, the privilege and the task of teaching a total foreign language in one year. Some people have spent an entire life and they're still butchering the English language. But I would start from square one, and that was the alphabet. So I would line these students up in class, and I would teach them the alphabet in one 50-minute class period. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta. I'd go through the whole alphabet with them, and they, their heads would be spinning. And at the end of the class, I would say, because we had class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would say to them, now on Wednesday, because this is Monday, on Wednesday, I'm going to give you a quiz on the alphabet. Are you serious? Listen, I have one year, not even a year, nine months, two semesters. And I can't sit here for, for a couple days or a week or a month while you learn the alphabet. we got to move on. And so we, we did the alphabet. And just like when you were back in school, we would, remember the days where you would, you would sentences like, see, spot, run. Remember those days, right? So, so then what we would do is we would start to build. We would start, the, 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 the curriculum that we use would give them words and we would start to build a vocabulary. One of those words that was early on was a word that Paul uses right here when he says, or his attitude was, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. The word servant, as God gave it, is the word doulos. Let's say that word, doulos. See, now you all know Greek. And here's what I would do. I would say to these students, now look, how many of you have girlfriends? And about 20% of the guys would raise their hands. Another 20 wanted to raise their hands, but they didn't have a girlfriend. And so I would say to them, now look, some of you that have a girlfriend, maybe a girl that you like, if you really want to have some fun, then what you need to do is you need to say, boy, I'm learning so much in that Greek class. We're having such a good time. As a matter of fact, I've got a new pet name for you. And that pet name is, you're my doulos. 
I said, I said, now listen, you need to tell her that. Say, you know, that's what I'm going to call you. Now, these guys were so, they, they were a few fries short of a happy meal. Because they didn't put it all together. But some of these guys took me up on it. They would start calling their girlfriend his doulas until she found out that doulas means slave. And she's like, I can't believe you, you were calling me your slave, you know? And then it was always, well, Mr. Keeley told me to do it, you know? And then I had to take the heat for it. But the word servant here that Paul uses was a Greek term, and it was a term of designation. Now, look at these four things that I see. First of all, a servant is a person that is born physically as a slave. Secondly, it's a person that's bound to his master that only death could break. Only death could break that, that bond that is there. Thirdly, the word denotes or designates one who served his master to the disregard of his own interest. Did you hear that? He serves his master to the disregard. In other words, he puts his own interest on the back burner. He always considers what his master wants over what he wants. And then the fourth distinction about this is it is one whose master's will came before his own. What would you want? What would you like for me to do? And that was the desire of the one that was a servant. By the way, are you starting to get the idea from that designation, the description of a servant? The Lord Jesus Christ who came not to do his own will, but to do the will of him that sent him. And yet, what does Paul say here in his attitude? He says, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. He was stating that he was born at, at physical birth. He was born a slave. But notice that as Paul was gloriously saved on the road to Damascus, that Paul was born again a bond slave of his Lord through this matter of regeneration. See, all of us have been, if we're saved, we've been regenerated by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, for he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also, he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. If you want to write down that reference, it's 1 Corinthians 7, 22, that we are freemen, that we are one of God's servants. And this was Paul's attitude as he begins writing this letter to those in Rome. He says, look, my attitude is I'm a servant, but watch this. I'm not just a servant. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Notice I also see not only his attitude, but his appointment. Go back to verse number one, where Paul says here, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. Now, as you look at this phrase here, Paul is saying that he was called, he was appointed by God. In other words, Paul did not put himself in that place. I can honestly say tonight that I would not be pastoring this church if God would have not put me here. So I can understand what Paul is saying. Now, God didn't call me to be an apostle, but understand that God appointed him, that God had summoned Paul to that position. God had placed him there. And the Bible says, as Paul wrote his letter to those in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1.11, or excuse me, 1.1, Paul called to be 
an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Paul writes to those in Corinth and says, look, it's God's will that I've been called, I've been appointed, I've been placed here. If you go over to Galatians 1 in verse number 1, notice how he starts that letter. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul was saying, look, this is God's appointment. It's not man's. This is all God's doing. Now, do you understand? He's laying the validity of this letter that he is writing. This isn't, remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of who? Yeah, it's not given by inspiration of Paul. These aren't Paul's words. These are God's words. And God is clearly saying through Paul, hey, look, I put the man there. I am the one that allowed him to write this. And he is an apostle. He is called of God. What the ministry needs today is not someone that is mama called and papa sent. We need young men and young women who are called of God to serve God. And by the way, every one of us ought to have that heart and spirit about serving the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, listen to what he says. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul says, look, he says, I've got this stink all over me. He says, I can't do anything but preach the gospel, the good news. Paul says, when you've got the call of God on your life, it is evident that God is working in his heart. And we see his attitude. He says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And then he says, look, here's my appointment. I am here because God has placed me here. I've been called of God. But then notice thirdly is application. And you go back to verse number one, look at the end of the verse. He says, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now, as I see this, Paul is saying this. He's saying that my application is that I'm a preacher of the gospel. Now, Paul was called to be an apostle according to the scriptures. But can I tell you tonight that if you are saved, that every one of us have been called of God to declare the truth. The word is keruk, and every one of us ought to be telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus loved them, that he gave his life for them, that he rose so that they could have eternal life someday. And Paul says, look, this is my life. This defines who I am. Paul is talking about his apostleship, that he's been separated unto the gospel. Now, this word separated is a great word. Here's what it means. It means to mark off from others by boundaries. It means to appoint, to set one apart for some purpose. Paul understood that. God has set me apart for a sacred use. He understood that. A great example of this was uh, years ago after the Spanish adventurers of Cortez landed on the shores of Mexico. Their forceful captain ordered their boats to be burned on the beach. 
And here's what his attitude was. He says, from that point on, there was no going back. It was either victory or death. And in our lives, as we read this about the Apostle Paul, what was Paul realizing in his life? That God had set him apart for the sake of the gospel of God. And listen, this world still needs to hear about the good news that Jesus Christ loved them and gave his life for them. And as we see this, Paul, his declaration here, we're, we're hearing this from a man that lived his life as a Jewish rabbi. He was separated as a Pharisee to the laws and to the traditions of the Jews. But when Paul got gloriously saved, and when God called him into the ministry, Paul was separated, listen, unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, the word gospel, euangelion, it means the good news. And when you can find a great example of this, look in your notes, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Paul writes there to those in Corinth, and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now, you hear even me and many other preachers say that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, look at those verses again, because in verse number 3 and verse number 4, look at the words how that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. See, right there, Paul is writing to those in Corinth and he says, that's the good news that we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Jesus isn't still laying in some tomb in the Holy Land today that he rose just as he said he would. And the Bible says that he mentions all of this happened according to to what? The scriptures. See, just like God said. So here in Romans 1.1, as we look at this passage tonight, notice that it is called the gospel of God. Why is the gospel in Romans 1.1 called the gospel of God? Because it originated with God. It was not some invention by man. Notice also, if you look down in verse number 16 in Romans 1, the Bible mentions that they're not as the gospel of God, but as the gospel of Christ. Now, why does he call it the gospel of Christ in verse number 16? Here's why. Because it is centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Who was it that died for our sins? Jesus. Who was it that was buried? Jesus. Who is it that rose again? Jesus. So it's not only the gospel of God, it's the gospel of Christ. Look in the same chapter, look in verse number 9. Because in verse number 9, it's called the gospel of his son. Now, why is it called the gospel of his son in verse number 9? Here's why. Because it is a declaration that Jesus, as I said this morning, is God. Jesus is God. And clearly, we see it is called the gospel of his son. If you turn and take the time and go over to Romans 16, the last chapter in the book of Romans, in verse number 25, here's what Paul calls it in 1625. He calls it my gospel. What a beautiful term there. Why is Paul saying that it is my gospel? Well, here's what he's doing. He's placing the special emphasis 
that he gave in his ministry that God gave to him of the doctrine of the church and the place that the Gentiles had in the plan of God. Remember, the Bible says to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. You see, God had always, remember, the Bible says, for God so loved the what? The world. Listen, no doubt, God loves Israel. God loves Jewish people. But understand this morning, God loves everyone. God loves everyone, no matter what race, no matter what background, people in the Amazon, doesn't matter where they're at, God loves everyone. And Paul is writing here calling it my gospel. It was something that God gave to him. And by the way, it should be your gospel and it should be mine too. We shouldn't have any particular status or group of people we're trying to reach. We should reach everyone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about the gospel, I want you to look at two aspects of it tonight. As Paul starts this letter here in Romans chapter 1, I want you to notice the prophecy of the gospel. Because when you, when you study this out in the Word of God and right here in the book of Romans, you find that Paul lets us know that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, listen to me, it's nothing new. In other words, in your Bible, look here, in your Bible, we're in the book of Romans. Think about how many books in your Bible are before this book. It's not that nothing has happened about the gospel until you get to Romans 1. The gospel is not new. Paul is sharing right here that it is a direct fulfillment of the Old Testament, this matter of the gospel. When Paul says, and I just read it to you in verse 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, twice in those two verses, here's what he said, according to the what? Scriptures. And then he said it a second time. Now, what's interesting is when Paul uses that terminology, what scripture is he referring to? Yeah, so when you, when you look at that word, and a lot of you are thinking correctly, because remember, the canon of scriptures, the whole Bible that you hold in your hand tonight was not yet complete when Paul wrote these words. So when Paul is writing here and he uses the word scriptures, here's a word that you may not know, but you know a word that is very similar he used the word graphe. Sounds like what? Yeah, like gr- graphics, graffiti. It means writing, right? So Paul uses this word. Now what's interesting about, remember, all scriptures give my inspiration of God. God chose the word graphe. Well, why did God use the word graphe here in Romans chapter number one? Because anytime the word graphe is used in the New Testament, It is always referring to the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? Every time he uses that word, graphe, he is referring to the Old Testament. So Paul is talking about the gospel. This is nothing new. See, as Paul got to thinking about according to the scriptures, according to the Old Testament, what was it that was on Paul's mind? What was it that was filling Paul's heart as he said, hey, all these things about the doctrine of the gospel What is it that that maybe he would think back to? Well, maybe Paul thought back to some of those types that were in the Old Testament. Maybe he thought back to some of the promises that God gave or some of the prophecies that throughout the Old Testament, down through the centuries, all pointed to Jesus Christ. Maybe he thought about the words that Isaiah and Jeremiah might have said. Look in your notes. Isaiah said, 
he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Hey, Isaiah wrote that 700 plus years before Jesus died on the cross. And the Bible says here that he says, my righteous servant shall justify many. And listen to what Jeremiah wrote. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name by whereby he shall be called the Lord our what? Our righteousness. By the way, those are all capital letters, are they not? So when you think about this, listen, Paul might have been thinking about maybe the, the promises and the prophecies and all the things in the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus. Maybe he thought about what the prophet said in the Old Testament, how that God would send one. Maybe he was thinking back to when Noah built the ark. What a beautiful picture there, how God shut the door and how God preserved life through that ark. And you think about what Jesus did for us. Maybe, maybe he thought back and remembered how God promised to Israel that a scepter would come. Look what the Bible says in Numbers 24. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. Maybe he was remembering all these things. Maybe Paul was remembering the promise that God made to David that a son would sit upon his throne. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 1.8 over in the New Testament. But unto the, what's it say? Son, capital S. Unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O what? O God. Let me ask you a question tonight. Who's the one speaking there? God is. And God is declaring boldly that his Son would sit upon the throne of David. And maybe, maybe Paul was thinking about that. In other words, the gospel that Paul was preaching was nothing new. And throughout all the Old Testament, it all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the fulfillment, the gospel was, of the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament saints. God was, you know, here's what he was doing. God was simply keeping his word to the Jew and the Gentile alike and he did that by sending his son to die for the sins of the world. See, I see the prophecy of the gospel, but notice secondly, the person of the gospel. Go back to verse number three in Romans one. The Bible says there, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now again, one of those one of those gospel illustrations that the Bible gives us in the book of Romans is that it's the gospel of his son. It's centered around Christ. And the Bible says here in verse 3, who is after the seed of David according to the flesh. Now in verse number 4, it says that he was declared to be the son of God, notice these words, with power. That word power is the word we get our English word dynamite from. Jesus is all-powerful. And the proof of his power was in his resurrection and the empty tomb that Jesus rose as he said he would. In verse number four, it also says there that he did this according to the spirit of holiness. Now, why would God say that in Romans chapter number one? Well, simply put, the giving of the spirit of God by Jesus was a seal. 
signifying that Jesus was who he said he was. And it's important for us to see that. That's why before Jesus went back on high to ascend to be with the Father, Jesus gathered his disciples around him. And he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. But he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, I'm going to send someone. And I want you to notice this sending of the, the person of the, the Trinity, the, the, the Holy Spirit of God in, in John 14, 16. He says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It's in your best interest that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. John 15, 26, when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, look at these words, he shall testify of who? Of me. The Holy Spirit will help us, he'll declare to us that Jesus is God, that he is the Son of God with power. And when Jesus rose from the dead, you know what the Bible says? He became the first fruits of all them that would follow. That's what Jesus became. So he rose from the dead, the Bible says in verse number four. Now here's an interesting thing about the word uh, from the dead. When we look at that word there, it's hard to make a distinction is the word dead singular or is the word dead plural because when you study it out here's what you find is it is plural now the reason that it is plural is because it is making a distinction here that Jesus's resurrection is always spoken of in the plurality and the reason is because it takes in all believers that we will all all that are in Christ shall rise just like the bible says the the dead in christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him hey listen even so come lord jesus right it wouldn't bother me one bit if he comes before this next presidential election i can tell you that right now but look at verse number five because look what it's it, this is this gets better and better verse by verse verse five by whom we have received what's the next word grace and what's the word after that apostleship now he says we've received these for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name so when you think about the person of the gospel he mentions we've received grace and we've received apostleship now remember all of this is by the power of Jesus Christ so when he mentions here grace and in apostleship, what is he making reference to? He's making reference to salvation, grace, and service. Apostleship. See, God, listen, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, not that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When God saves us, then listen, as God saves us, Jesus wants us to serve him. So as you think about the power of Jesus Christ, Paul is talking about the person of the gospel that his power bestows upon us salvation and service. Paul says, look, I've received grace and I've received apostleship. Grace precedes the calling of God. In other words, you don't start serving God and then get saved. See, that's backwards. 
Sometimes that's, that's the way people are sometimes in their life is they, they want to serve God. Well, watch this. They want to serve God out of duty to make them feel better because of maybe something that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. But God says, no, no, no. You gladly receive my word, salvation, and because I am saved, listen, from the henceforth, from that time on, I'm not serving sin anymore. I want to serve the Lord with my life. That's what happened with the Apostle Paul. When he got saved, he hit the ground running. And understand in our lives that as you look at this matter of grace, grace precedes the calling and salvation precedes service. See, a person is saved and then they serve. And that's what Paul says. He says, by the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel, God has called me and God's given me an opportunity to serve him. And before Jesus ever commanded, go ye into all the world with the gospel, here's what he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, the Lord wants us to come unto him and all ye that labor and are heavy laden and he'll give us rest. So as you think about Paul's attitude, here he is, he's beginning this letter and his attitude was this, that I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Listen, God's way up is down. See, a lot of people say, well, I, I, that's not what I want. I want the top rung on the ladder. No, 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 God says, look, I want you to, I want you to understand that a Christian life is a life of humility. And Paul says, my attitude is, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. His appointment was, he was called by God. He was appointed by God. He was there because God put him there. And then notice his application. Paul says, listen, I'm a preacher of the gospel. I've been separated by God to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But notice the fourth thing that he declares here in these last couple verses of his introduction is his ambassadorship. Look at verse number five. The Bible says again, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is saying this, God has saved me and he has separated me. Remember uh, Acts chapter 13 Paul and Barnabas were in the church in Antioch. And the Holy Spirit of God separated Paul and Barnabas. And here's what God did. God made him a missionary. You know, he didn't go to the Amazon, but he went to the regions beyond of his day. And when Paul is saying here, look, I'm an ambassador for Christ, he's saying that God is sending me to the people that no one wanted to go to before, God is sending me to the Gentiles. God is sending me to those that were outcasts. The word ambassador literally means one that goes on an errand. And that's what Paul was doing. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these words, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're being sent on an errand by God. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, he says, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein, in those bonds, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul says, look, doesn't matter if I'm in prison, doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm being stoned, doesn't matter if people want to hear me or don't want to hear me. He says, even in my bonds, I am being sent on an errand. Listen, when you go to work tomorrow, you know what you are? You're an ambassador for Christ. When you go to your neighbor and you talk to them, and when you go to uh, your relative and you try to talk to them about the Lord, you're an ambassador for Christ because you are being sent on an errand by God. 
Paul says, listen, this is my ambassadorship that God has sent me to people that have never heard the good news, the gospel. Ambassadors are those appointed by God to declare the will of God. And that's what Paul was doing. He was declaring God's will for their lives. And so when you look at verse number 7, as Paul finishes his introduction, here's what he says. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Saints. Now that's a word again that uh, growing up, because I was a part of a different religious system, it was a little bit different than what the Bible teaches. But when Paul writes here and uses this word, He's identifying who it is that he's writing to. Because the word saint means someone that has a right standing before God. It is a separation from and a separation to. God uses the word here, saint, to mention somebody that is, by distinction, a believer in God. These are the saints of God. And in verse number 7, look at it again, because he says here, called to be saints, look at the word, there it is again, grace to you and peace from God our, our Father. Notice the word grace comes before the word peace. See, there will never be peace unless there's the grace of God. This world doesn't understand the peace that passes all understanding. But as Paul was writing to the beloved there, he was understanding that they had that peace. See, there, there can be no true peace apart from the grace of God. And these Christians, those saints in Rome that Paul was writing to, listen, he had never been there, but he understood that they were to be commended for faith that was being spoken of throughout the world. Look at 1 Thessalonians, and it, it, it discusses this matter of who these people were. He says, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Paul says, look, we can't add anything to what we've already heard about your faith in God. And as we begin this, this journey through the book of Romans, tonight, what have we done? We've just opened the letter from God. Paul lays the groundwork talking about who he is and, and the authority that God's given him to write the words that he did. And so can I challenge you over these next couple weeks, months, that as we make this journey, don't miss what God has for us in this rich book that we know as the book of Romans. May God help us to get deep in our relationship with him and to have the right standing with God. May you and I have that right standing. I think about those people that are going to go to the Amazon. They're not going to be a help to those people that they come into contact with if they themselves don't have the right standing with God. And the only way they're going to have the right standing is that God's grace is evident and that there's a peace that they have in their hearts because they know the Lord and that's why they're serving him because the love of Christ is what constrains us. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening, for this wonderful, rich book in the Bible. Lord, I thank you for the way that you allowed Paul to introduce this letter to us. And as he was writing, laying the groundwork for the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Lord, it, it should be the, the thing that is highlighted in our hearts as we study over these next couple weeks. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us this week to be ambassadors for you. We who know you as Savior. And God, may we share you with this world the good news. Your death, your burial, and yes, your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.